Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Haskett has had a diverse career, with a start in tourism, then supporting a family-run construction company. After her divorce, she diverged completely into a career spanning 14 years in training and development in multiple roles, including sales, service, strategy, instructional design, and facilitation. Cheryl facilitates learning in the areas of emotional intelligence, innovation, conversation, engagement, and leadership from staff level all the way to the C-suite in large and small corporations. Although she still does this work part-time, Cheryl left her career to bring to life a dream of her farming husband's, bringing a product to market. In 2019, they launched Utterly Ridiculous Goat's Milk Ice Cream into the market going on to win awards and accolades for the product, including a win at the coveted Grand Prix of new products in Canada. The product has been featured in LCBO's Food and Drink magazine and as a featured dessert at the Culinary Showdown requested by celebrity chefs. Like many other businesses, though, COVID-19 had an impact on the business with the inability to sample, do events to promote and educate, and without the ability to go direct to consumer at scale. So in 2019, they decided to launch Utterly Ridiculous Farm Life and bring homebound, weary Ontarians safe experiences at the farm that brought them closer to nature and allowed dialogue about agriculture and food supply. Cheryl drew on her instructional design and facilitation skills, background in tourism and customer service, and in a short period of time, launched eight experiences, including an immersive 
Taste of Farm Life that has been awarded Signature Experience Designation by Southwest Ontario Tourism. Cheryl's desire to collaborate locally, not only with her ice cream creations, but also supporting other producers hit by the pandemic, had her create an on-farm store and a specialty experience highlighting over 50 other producers. In 2021, Cheryl was awarded Entrepreneur of the Year by Rural Oxford, Oxford Community Futures, and has recently been nominated as a finalist for Tourism Innovator of the Year through Southwest Ontario Tourism. She says, it's been an utterly ridiculous adventure so far. Okay, Cheryl, where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? I am in Bright, Ontario, which is in Oxford County in Southwest Ontario. And how did your professional life or your professional career lead you to becoming an entrepreneur? So funny because uh, lots of people have this desire to be an entrepreneur. They want to work for themselves. They want to have their own business. And that really wasn't the journey I was on. Um, I had a successful career and I still teach on the side doing leadership development and emotional engagement training and helping managers and leaders create engaged environments and innovation and having a great time, honestly, was really enjoying what I did. And then we got into some conversations with my husband, who is a dairy farmer, a goat dairy farmer here in Oxford County, and was looking at succession planning, was looking at strategy and you know how to keep the farm going long term. And so we started doing some strategy work together. It's, it's a, a conversation that was easy for me to facilitate with him. And one of the questions I asked him was, what do you want? Like, what have you always wanted to do? Like, aside from just, we have to grow and we have to be able to pay the bills each year. And he said, I've always wanted a product. I've always wanted to get closer to the customer to see what we produce here go all the way to the store. And I have no idea how to do that. And so we, you know, over a glass of wine, which is always how great ideas happen, I started brainstorming. Well, what would that look like? And you know, I said, ah, oh, cheese, cheese is too snobby. Um, it's too competitive. That doesn't seem like a whole lot of fun. And my husband's all about memory making. And so of course, ice cream is all about that. It's when you're crying, you know, you pick up a pint of ice cream when you're laughing when you have a birthday party. It's part of celebrations and not really, it wasn't really being done. And so I said, gosh, if we're going to do anything, let's do something that's more blue ocean. Let's do something that people aren't doing, but maybe are ready for. So many people are lactose sensitive, are casein sensitive, can't digest cow milk, want real ice cream. I'm like, this could be the next thing. And, and we said, oh, a step further, then we could create our own Ben and Jerry's plant type of thing where we have a factory and we do tours and we do tasting rooms and... I'm a foodie, so I'm, I'm all about the tasting of anything. And then we basically like hit it on the strategy plan. We didn't even tell his parents. We're like, they will never understand this. It's probably <laughs> not going to happen. But it was a fun conversation. And, uh, and we left it at that. Um, you know, started picking up some recipe guides. I thought, oh, goat milk ice cream might be disgusting. So maybe I should play with this a little bit. And found out it was fantastic. And then we had a big crash in the industry. Um, goat dairy, for many people who don't know, is not a quota-based system like cow dairy. 
doesn't have the marketing muscle or advocacy or education. And one of the big companies stopped taking about a million liters of Ontario milk and it it crashed the system. And and what I mean by that is a lot of farmers were getting 50 cents on the dollar, if if at all, uh, for their milk. There wasn't a market anymore to sell dolings like little goats. Um, and, and so it became really, really challenging. Uh, we were seeing people have to close their farms, which was heartbreaking. Uh, we fortunately were under a system where we we're still getting paid for our milk, but some of the the goals that we had, we weren't able to realize. And that was selling dolings off into the marketplace for all of these farms that were growing. And, and it created some real challenges. But we also started thinking again about what's the long-term viability? What happens if another glitch like this takes place? How do we protect and diversify so that this farm will have a future? And so we brought the idea back up onto the table and started testing it and went, you know, on an entrepreneur program. I went to ice cream school. Who knew there was ice cream school? <laughs> uh, I went to gelato school, which was really fun. You know, my next stage is like gelato school in Italy, which I didn't get to, sadly. But uh, that's where it started ending up. And lo and behold, you know, I was doing both. I was teaching and 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 doing this on the side and really trying to to figure out how to make this happen. And oh my gosh, at one point we we're like, this is ridiculous. Like we both have careers. I don't know anything about the food industry. I'm not a food scientist. It's not only ridiculous, it's utterly ridiculous. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's the name. We have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It was <laughs> Yeah, it, it really came out of that. Like, we're crazy insane to be doing this. And then we we got to work and people loved the ice cream. And and I really, I really love collaboration. I really love real quality ingredients. And so we started looking for the kind of ingredients that were something that, you know, a chef or a foodie would appreciate and not just a target market for those people who have you know, trouble digesting dairy, but we wanted it to be something elevated. And so, you know, I use things like real wine from the Niagara region, a lavender that's grown in Simcoe, Ontario, and coffee infused porter beer that's made in Woodstock. So just really trying to create these opportunities for beautiful pairings. And that led us to launch the product in 2019 launched it into some retail stores and at the one of a kind show. And we started getting great, great feedback. We did all kinds of events and sampling and we won at the Royal Winter Fair judges choice and a second place ribbon and a staff choice. So we took home and that was a big deal because we were up against all the cow dairy ice creams that have been around for a little while. And so it was shocking to people that a goat milk ice cream could taste good. And it was, it was, fascinating to watch that happen and to grow. And then of course, we got into the winter season where things drop off and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, of course, we had no sampling, we had no events, we're a very niche product. We're a frozen product, so we can't just ship it to people's houses. And we weren't part of a big system, we hadn't paid the big fees for the big retailers to be able to be a part of their online shipping systems. And so we were faced with some challenges. Now, the big deal uh, through 2020, we still l- landed into stores like Whole Foods and we're still growing our stores. But 
not enough consumers knew about us. And, and that's a challenge. We won the Grand Prix of new products in Canada for our ice cream, which was super exciting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having a, a hard time being able to get consumers in to purchase the ice cream and to taste it when people just wanted to get in the store and get out. Nobody wanted to pick up something new. It was like, how fast can I get in with my mask on and how fast can I get out? And whatever's on my list is what I'm I'm taking. And so the big fear became, we're going to get kicked off shelves and it's really difficult to get back on. And at the same time, we had people asking us, can we come to the farm and buy the ice cream there? Can we play with goats? Can you do goat yoga? I was like, goat yoga. Oh my goodness. I was so against doing goat yoga for so long and people kept badgering me. (laughs) I was like, why would you want a goat chewing your Lululemon pants, you know, or the possibility it might poop on you. And I couldn't understand it. And and that's the truth. Uh, um, I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this. And, you know, people wore me down a little bit. Um, of course, with COVID, and then we had some other family uh, tragedy that was taking place. And so we started thinking about this whole idea we had of, you know, a factory, and we knew we couldn't build a factory. We were, you know, concerned about the potential of bringing people on the farm, but then started working through that, that fear and that concern and thought, how, how could we make this happen? My father-in-law got ill. And so we decided that we would speed up this entire adventure and and get it open so that he could have the summer potentially with us and be there to greet people. I mean, everywhere he goes in the world, he pulls out his phone and starts showing people pictures of the goats and the farm and just <laughs> just loving that so much. And we we could just see him like he's like the ultimate Walmart type greeter. Like he is just your friend after two seconds. And we wanted him to be able to have that sense of inviting the community and and walking them through what he loved. And so we started this agritourism business here on the farm. We made a, I know everybody hates the word pivot right now, but but we had to make an adjustment because failure was not an option. And and I honestly didn't know long-term, are we going to have enough runway to be able to keep the ice cream going? It's really low margins. It's a really challenging industry and you need a lot of volume to be moving through in order to make any money at all. And given COVID and everything else, we just didn't know if that was possible and wanted to make sure that the brand could still have a chance, but also we had something else that we could continue on and continue that legacy. And so in July of 2021, we opened Utterly Ridiculous Farm Life uh, here on the farm, everything hasn't been perfect. We still have lots of work to do, uh, but we we launched eight different experiences, including goat yoga. <laughs> um, you know, I I do not teach the goat yoga class. I have a a proper yoga instructor that comes in, but it's been a hoot. You know, watching people interact with the goats and and having that kind of downtime in their yoga session, we've done things like alpaca picnics and we do alpaca walks through the farm field. We do a really more intensive two, two and a half hour experience where people can taste farm life. And and that's, you know, physically go out and, and, and experience it, but also food tastings and the history and talking about soil and food production. And it's just, it's been a blast. I, I did give up 
I kind of resigned from my full-time career. I still do it on the side because I love it. What a, what a ride. So let me ask you this. It sounds like you married into farm life, like living and working a farm. Did you ever think that you would quit your job to mm-hmm. then go into this full time? Not a chance. In fact, I will tell you, when I did meet my husband, which was through the work that I was doing before, he was part of a uh, program that I was running and he was test piloting with other farmers, this agricultural based training program. I, you know, I walked away from this interaction with him and I said, I will never marry a farmer. Like I'm allergic to everything farm. And... I should never, Shauna, I should never say never to anything because I said never goat yoga, never, you know, will we do an on-farm experience. I, I have to stop saying that now because it, it all these comes to pass that that never suddenly is in my life. But yeah, I mean, I never expected to be a farmer's wife. I never expected to be integrated into the farm community and know, you know, corn, what a corn tassel is, or what a soybean field looks like. Um, shocking to me, my, my friends still laugh at me, they still can't believe it after 12 years. And I loved my career, I didn't expect to make that adjustment. Most people are like, I hate my career, I'm going to go out on my own. And, and it wasn't necessarily like that for me. But it was one of these things where I can continue investing in someone else's dream or I can help make my husband's dream come true. And, and through that, I got to experience more of the farm. I got to do some of what I love being a bit of a foodie. And then with the agritourism, um, I got a start in tourism like years ago when I was a teenager, I used to work at a resort. And then of course my facilitation background and instructional design background all of this sort of came together for what we're doing here on the farm. Like it was a natural transition to be able to do that. And I I went through a a course in the area called Unlocked and Inspired. And it's about creating an experiential tourism idea and bringing that to fruition. And by the end of it, I said, okay, I'm opening all of these experiences. And they're like, you're crazy. Like most people open one experience and start one. and, And I launched eight. So I'm a bit of an overachiever, I think sometimes, which is probably my detriment, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't just do one. I mean, that just didn't seem like it made any sense at all. <laughs> you have such a positive attitude and, and you're so authentic. It's really um, refreshing, I would say. When you became an entrepreneur, did you experience any specific challenges as it relates to being a woman entrepreneur or and or as a result of being a rural woman entrepreneur? Yeah, and it's such a good question. Being a rural entrepreneur, period. I mean, we had this conversation before we started. Internet is terrible. Being able to to do anything on rural internet, especially when you've got something like a pandemic is an absolute nightmare. But in terms of the challenges as a woman, the the food industry in particular still has a lot of male domination. When you look at retail stores, when you look at distributors, when you look at cold storage facilities, all kinds of things like that, 
And I ran into a lot of that, um, which was surprising to me. I didn't expect to run into it as much. I remember working with a distributor and there was some significant challenges happening, stuff going missing. And I was paying uh, a crew of people, for example, to be doing sampling and demoing for us. And they'd get there and nothing was there. And anyway, long story short, I, I had a call with the CEO and the sales rep that were there to to address this and say, this is, you know, here's the impact of this. And this is something that can't happen. Like what's happening there. And I remember the CEO who was a man saying, you shouldn't be so emotional. And I was like, I was taken aback. It was, he goes, I, I, you know, I know this is your business and, you know, you're not the only business we work with. And, and so you, you just, you shouldn't just be, be so emotional. And I was not emotional. I was not yelling or crying or anything. I was just holding them accountable for the job that needed to be done and, and, you know, the ball they kept dropping multiple times. And I walked away from that. Uh, I no longer work with them, uh, but I walked away from that and I thought, I cannot believe that this is still happening. And, and if I was a man on the phone, there was no way that that comment would have came out. No way. <laughs> and and so I really then began to have that radar up um, a lot more. Uh, you had to be kind of hard and fast and to the point. And there were some people that wanted to take advantage. And there were some people that expected that I wouldn't be able to keep up. And I remember someone saying, you know, you just need to go back to the kitchen. Like, bear, you know, they, they thought because I was a farmer's wife, that I was uneducated oh. and barefoot oh. and I guess popping out babies and bacon bread. And I was shocked. <laughs> I like shocked by this kind of stuff. I'm like, you have no idea. Absolutely no idea. And, and not only is that offensive to me, but it's offensive in general. I basically just stopped working with people like that. And I'm, I'm conscious about who we work with. But in this industry, there's only so many people to work with as well. And so you've got to yeah. balance this line between, you know, biting my tongue and and really just, you know, standing firm for what I believe in for my values and, and for holding those out. It's It's been a challenge, certainly being in rural Ontario. You know, now we're much more of a global marketplace. When I moved into tourism, I will tell you that any of the men or women, and there's a lot more women working in this industry in this area right now, they've been great, absolutely dynamic and helpful and supportive. And it's been incredible. Uh, there's been a lot of great men that I've worked with that have been great mentors. And a lot of men in positions that really shouldn't be there anymore in 2022. Well, congratulations for standing your ground. And I am not surprised that you are having to deal with things like that in rural Ontario, in rural Canada, period. And how great, though, that there's more women in tourism so that you can all take up space because women seem to be getting to the point where they're more generous because there's, we, we're not still convinced that there's only so many spots for us because we're seeing many more women like yourself and the other women mm -hmm. in tourism leading than other women 
feel like they can take up their space too. I really believe that. Congratulations on all your success though and and getting through all of that stuff. Uh you're you're blazing a trail for other women. Are is there anything else that keeps you up at night? You lay down in bed and you you just worry about I, I mean, I'm always worried are we going to be in business next month or next year? And and I I think I'm not alone in that. I mean, that's that's just an entrepreneur's journey. Um you've got the ups and the downs and I'm constantly thinking about how to create better experiences, how to move to the next level. Um, will will we be revel- relevant uh, or not? But I mean, the big one is always, how are we going to keep this going? What happens if, and are we still going to be in business? And, and those are terrifying, but we keep moving forward. Failure is not an option for us. And for me personally, I, I don't, I don't like to just give up. And so if we need to adapt and adjust, then we adapt and adjust until somebody hits me with a brick wall. I just keep kind of pushing through. What an inspiration. What about your proudest moment? What has been your proudest one? Hmm. I would say I have two proudest moments as an entrepreneur. One has been some of the accolades we've gotten. So winning the Grand Prix of New Products in Canada that was such a highlight for me personally because of who was judging it. You know, this was food scientists and chefs and people in the industry. And so that that gives me just a lot of pride that what we're doing is quality. And what I set out to do as not being a food scientist, <laughs> you know, could could get through the taste buds of of those individuals who they're kind of top of their class. And, and that was amazing to get that accolade. Um, We were able to get into the food and drink magazine, which was one of my huge goals in life. I love the food and drink magazine. And then I think the next thing that I would be most proud of when you think about the agritourism, I had this family that came through and one of the kids was dragged there, obviously. It's like, you know, <laughs> we have to go experience this farm thing. And they were on a fairly significant tour with me. And you could tell the 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 boy in particular, the girl loves goats and everything else. And the boy was like, ah, you know, do we have to be here? And when is this done? And very quickly in, you could see him change. And when he, you know, just picked up a chicken, like being able to learn how to grab a chicken and hold a chicken. Um, we got to the end of the the experience with them. And he said to me, he said, this was better than Canada's Wonderland. Oh. And that was just like, oh my goodness, you know, melt my heart. I mean, the kid got to experience the farm and, and it made an impact. And as a facilitator by, by training, I thrive on the joy on somebody else's face or the learning aha moment that they get or this sense of wonder when they walk away and they they thought they were coming for one thing and they got this surprise of something else. That to me just keeps me going. When you say like, what keeps you up at night? I don't know if we're going to be in business next year, but these moments actually keep me going every week, every month. They're the things that we just thrive on. Oh, 
That is so inspirational. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know, but but that is, I, I'm almost in tears. Advice to young women who maybe grew up in a rural area, went away to school, and they want to start something of their own, or maybe they you know, want to start something on a farm. What's your advice? My advice would be do it. You, you have something to give and to offer. I think sometimes we think, I'm just. That I'm just will hold you back. There is something significant in every human being that they have to offer to the world. And it might be you're the CEO of a big corporation, or it might be that you're giving someone insight into something that you understand and you know. There's all kinds of different ways to be successful. It's not always about the bank account, and I will tell you that right now. Um, Sometimes it's about bringing to the world something you love. And I would say one of the pieces of advice in doing that is get yourself some mentors. Have conversations with people who have been there. And it may not be the the exact thing, but if you can surround yourself with mentors, uh, those individuals will A, hold you accountable, B, they will challenge you, and C, they will be the ones that will be your biggest advocate. When your family or your friends or the people that you expected to support you don't, they're going to be the ones saying, this is awesome. You can do it. Keep going. And they become your rock. And there are so many amazing, amazing men and women willing to do that if you just ask. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining me today. What what a great story. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next, to be honest. <laughs> you, you, you just keep doing these amazing things. And I really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And thank you so much, Shauna, for inviting me. this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine a Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time.